Hello, welcome back, listener, to Joker Men podcasts about Bob Dylan, the artist. Po- podcast about Bob Dylan, the music man, the one and only, the- Zimmy. Zimmy. <laughs> podcast about Zimmy. <laughs> <laughs> There are other Bob Dylan podcasts, but this is the podcast that is uh, about Zimmy. Correct. Exactly. Which is the the character that we're all interested in talking about and learning about. That's how he's been known throughout his career to those closest to him, as he as he noted on uh, Slow his Train. song of all time. Uh, uh, it, in Slow Train. What song does he say? You can call me Zimmy. Is that that's gotta, you got to serve somebody. You got to serve somebody. Yeah. yeah you got to call me Zimmy. That's what that song yeah. is. Uh, that's the subtext of that song. Right, right. Uh, well, I'm I'm Evan, and uh, as always, uh, I'm joined by... I'm, I'm still Ian. Still Ian, after all these years. <laughs> and uh, today, we're... Today is a very special episode. Special episode, absolutely. This is... I'm, I'm, on, I'm tingling. I'm on the edge of my seat. And, it's kind of uh, what we've been waiting for since uh, since the very beginning of this. And why is that? Why is that, Ian? Well, it's because we're talking about uh, about the inimitable 1983 release of Bob's Infidels. It, it's funny featuring... to, to call that, to say it's inimitable. Well, it can't <laughs> be imitated because I'm not sure you would want to. <laughs> um, I really don't think that it can be imitated, to be, to be fair. No, no, not, nothing Bob Dylan does can be imitated. Um... Mostly, that's true. I think, yeah, yeah. I think for the most part, well, it can be, but you know, not right, not well. But, but this one certainly, certainly cannot. No, and and it's um, because it's infidels. This is the 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 record that opens with our namesake song. Sure does. Our Joker, song, Joker Man, singular. Joker Man, yeah. Not Joker Men, plural, which is the name of this podcast. Yeah, Joker Men plural, <laughs> the podcast. Uh, well, it, I I don't know where where to begin. Well, uh, I mean, I I think we should probably, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I think we we probably want to close the book on on this this chapter that we just uh, finished up with the last episode with potentially our lowest T episode of all time. The, uh, the the not particularly exciting shot of love. Um, Lowest T because we were both in, in a way highest T. If T stands for tired, I think we were both really um, yes. exhausted. Yeah, and, and I don't I, think, I don't yeah. feel great today. But um, to to be honest, but um, what's wrong? I was just I just feel malaise. Yeah, I I have the similar similar kind of feeling. I know I know what you mean. But, but we can't be too, can't be too down considering what we get to chat about today. No, I've ju- um, I'm just uh, pouring a small glass of red red wine, and we're about to talk about one of the greatest songs ever written uh, to start this record off. But as you said before, we get there. Let's close the book. Let's close the Bible on on the Bob Dylan. Uh, era that we have just sort of had a three episode well two four six six episodes kind of five episodes whatever six 
With, oh well, yeah. yeah. With the yeah, I, the, yeah, the Christian period, that loose trilogy, of course, being Slow Train Coming, followed by Saved, and then capped off with a, you know, ending with a whimper, with a shot of love. The old shot of love. I yes, I can I hear do. your uh, washing washing machine. machine your, yeah, is that the washing machine washer and dryer? Yeah. Yeah, combination washer dryer. It has that beautiful song that it plays. Yeah. Um, gets stuck in your head. Yeah, stuck in your head. A lot of the songs <laughs> from Shot of Love were regrettably stuck in my head um, for the last like yes. week. Like I, the Lenny Bruce was actually like stuck in my head, and I was <laughs> coming was, back to haunt you. Yeah, his ghost was haunting me, and um, I, <laughs> I I stand by it. That 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 song is. Yeah, I mean it's bad. What what is what more is there to say? Didn't you you texted me something this past week after we finished recording Shot of Love? There was like a screenshot from an interview Bob gave or something where he was just like, "Yeah, I wrote Lenny Bruce in like ten minutes or something, and I don't really know why I did it." Yeah, yeah. That sounds. That's what know, he said. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. And then he, he he talked a little bit in in that about that. I don't know. He's saying something about the state of comedy that, like, I guess Lenny Bruce was—he was sort of the first to do it, and now everybody thinks they can do what he did. And I don't know. It was very non-committal, but um, it seemed to be like he was making some point about the his legacy in comedy. Something we didn't mention is that it's not the only song by a legendary artist about Lenny Bruce. Is it not? No. There's uh, the song. Uh, the Nico song about Lenny Bruce. I didn't know there was a Nico song about Lenny Bruce on what record? Uh, let me do a quick check on that. It's Eulogy to Lenny Bruce um, oh. by Nico, which is on uh, on Chelsea Girl. That's on Chelsea Girl? It's on Chelsea Girl, yeah. Weird. And uh, so there's some... Some precedent. I mean, he was one of the original outlaws of of the of the stage. That's you can't deny it. You cannot deny it. Oh yeah, there. Okay, so I guess it's the last song on Chelsea Girl. I see that. Yeah, eulogy to Lenny Bruce. Um, but we keep uh, skirting the issue. The Christian period. Do we have any yes. anything to say about it? Like. Uh, have we learned? Have we have we been able to sum it up into a kernel of knowledge? Has it has anything come to you like that of like a elevator pitch sort of understanding of what it is, what it means? You know, I I I, I wish I had I wish I had the answer, but I I I don't feel like I do, and and I I think that might really be because there isn't one. Uh, I think that I think that it began. You know, began very promisingly. I I, I still think that uh, Slow Train is is a really kicking record, mm-hmm. uh, especially like the whole just sound and vibe that he achieved with that coming off of um, uh, Street Legal and uh, and Budokan and everything. You know, it, it definitely seemed to uh, reinvigorate him at a moment in time when he needed some reinvigorating, especially with the kind of uh very different direction that the cutting edge of the rock and roll scene was was headed on at that point when you had your uh, you know your your 
punk and post-punk and new wave scenes kind of coming coming about and Bob really beginning to feel like a, a relic for the first time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, his uh, just quality went went down pretty pretty quickly uh, after that first record uh, with Saved and with Shot of Love, which have some have some good songs on them, certainly, but they're just, I think they're, they're ultimately kind of minor albums that don't really have a cohesive narrative to them and aren't particularly well-produced and, you know, are, are just sort of, um, you know, they're, they're, they're misses, uh, you know, very, very simply. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I, I gave Saved a three-star review, which we, <laughs> we discussed. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I, I still stand by to some degree. I, I, I just have to play saved and slow train in that three star pile. I guess I shouldn't have done it, but, um, <laughs> but what the reason you would do it, uh, someone would do such a thing is, um, because they, I think they do have a cohesive narrative. In fact, maybe the most cohesive narrative you could ever get, you're ever going to get on a Bob Dylan record, which is that they, it's a simple narrative, but it's, it's the narrative of being saved and of Christ entering your life with the force of a, of a typhoon. And, um, so, you know, I got to give him that. Those are, in my opinion, very focused records when it comes to that, uh, point of view. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there clearly was a thematic um, uh, through line with all with all that stuff. And but, then uh, I think that "Shot of Love" is where I can't I can't say that at all because it doesn't even commit to its own premise. Um, right. It doesn't really deliver on on being a Christian album, and the things that it tries beyond that are, I think, pretty unsuccessful for the most part. Um, so yeah, I think. Just to sum it all up, no, there's no real grand uh, point that I'm left with about like what, wh- where this all, what it all means. And we had a great discussion with the Insphenonius, but uh, if you can have someone like that, somebody with that level of and, and breadth of knowledge on, on the rock and roll subject, plus our vast intellect on one episode and, we, and you can't <laughs> figure it out, then... Uh, you know, you just have to take... That's on you. Yeah, take the L, as the the kids say. Yeah. But uh, a couple years pass in between Shot of Love and uh, what we're dealing with today with Infidels. Right. Because that Shot of Love was 1981 and Infidels is 83. And... Uh, in that time, sure the the secular aspect of Dylan's songwriting has come back, and um, it's getting back on its feet in a way. Um, this record is not Christian, and that's uh, at least it's not as explicitly Christian at all. Yeah, uh, it is. It is not. I mean, it's it's called. It's literally called "Infidels," right? Which seems seems like it would be a some sort of commentary on um, uh, or or double entendre or something coming mm-hmm. off of his Christian triptych. I actually think "Infidels" is a really good title. 
Um, and for a couple of reasons, but I, I think that it's a great title. Yes. For the reason of it being a return to Bob Dylan, uh, his return to secular music, um, after these Christian records, but also it sort of dovetails nicely with the themes that show up on this record, which mm-hmm. are, uh, a combination of romantic, uh, strife and, and issues of the heart, but also, there is a sort of apocalyptic uh, air to it or a, a, a political, a global viewpoint that is being taken. Um, infidels, you know, if you think of that word and what it means in terms of a relationship, you can think of infidelity. And then if you think about all the other ways that it can be construed, you know, of course, there's the religious angle, the... Uh, Famously, the the Muslim point of view of the the <laughs> infidel, the one who uh, who blasphemes against Allah or whatever, um, and deserves to be put down like a dog. Uh, so there's a lot of ways to to take that title, and um, on the cover you have Bob Dylan wearing dark sunglasses. Uh, close up with a scraggly f- f- bit of facial hair and um, this no-nonsense, bold font with a s- little sliver of red under the black of the text. Um, Bob Dylan, Infidels. Looks like uh, this is a lean, mean, no-nonsense machine. And Bob Dylan is on vacation, maybe, because of his shades. <laughs> yeah, he's looking... Uh... He's looking cool with the with the wayfarers, and he's got he's got a relatively full beard, as, as as full as a bob beard tends to get, and his hair is a little kind of, you know, wild and and poking out there, kind of shades of uh, shades of nineteen sixty five bob. He looks cool, uh, yeah. And the font is is uh, is big and bold, and uh, impact you know, font, impact sort of. impactful, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, listening listening to you. Uh, talk about that made me think about uh, uh, so, some Jokerman longtime listeners may may recall our Planet Waves uh, episode in which we speculated on the existence of a, uh, <laughs> a, a non-existent song called Planet Waves, <laughs> and I'm wondering now what a what 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 the Bob Dylan song called Infidels would sound like. Ah, uh, what could have been <laughs> the the song Planet Waves is something I wish that I could I could hear. Um, and, uh, yeah, the song Infidels, I mean, that sounds really cool. I wish there was a title track on Infidels, but, um, as it is, I I think we should just get into the, the meat and potatoes. We, uh, yeah. Unless you have anything else to say without further ado, let's go. This is what we've all been waiting for. Here it comes. Side A. Track one, Joker, Joker Man. Man. <laughs> um, this is one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I don't remember where I first heard this song, um, but it absolutely blew the doors off of me. And I, I, I think I saw the video with it um, when I first saw it or listened to it. And um, right. it was like the spark that really lit my uh 
my my fire for for my my further exploration into Bob Dylan's mid career oeuvre. Uh, this is a class act, and I I I uh, think it's up there with the very best in the conversation of what are the best things that Bob Dylan has ever done? It is, uh, it's without a doubt a return to form. Um, it, uh, you know, there's, there's no other way to say it. it. It's, it's one of the, one of the greats of all time and definitely one of the great side one track ones in his, uh, in his discography right up there with tangled up in blue and, and hurricane, I would or, say. Or any discography, uh, Sure, any, certainly. I think that um, this song is a return to form, but it's also something new in a way. Um, I think it it is an example of a song where all the stars align and this form that actually I think is really being explored on, funny enough, the last record on Shot of Love, there's a track that was omitted from the from the track list called uh, Caribbean Wind. Mm-hmm. And that is a song which features a lot of these densely packed uh, images, images in the song. Um, it's sort of like a story song that takes you all kinds of places Um this is not even a story song, though. This takes that that image-packed uh, approach that we've seen at various points through through Bob Dylan's career, um, but it takes it to its furthest limits. And actually, I feel like it's something that is uh, evident even in, in Bob Dylan's latest work with uh, something like Murder Most Foul. Mm. Um where it's uh, it's it's hard to say why, but it, it, it's I think it's subtly different than the imagistic wordplay and um, uh, sort of visionary nature of songs from like Blonde on Blonde, um, because this seems to be like a little bit more of a distilled. Uh, purified version of that if that makes any sense um it feels like it's just hitting you with image after image after image Mm. um it's less of a narrative it's not like a visions of joanna type of song where there's characters or, or, or or even like a rolling stone it's more of like a a true uh kaleidoscope of uh just great images. Yeah, it's it's a little more impressionistic, I would say. Yeah, similar to obviously the the touchstone that we always come back to, Tambourine Man. Um, but you know, having having recorded Street Legal not too long ago, uh, I think there's a there's a pretty clear straight uh, through line from uh, Changing of the Guards right up to this song. Oh yeah, uh, uh, that's both. another great example. Is Changing yeah. of the Guards is I think a song where that that image packed approach is really being taken further as well right. yeah um, it's uh there's some sort of some sort of story maybe uh but it's really more of just like a, a montage of of arresting kind of images um presented um 
with uh, with with really, I mean, just uh, you know, the fantastic, um, fantastic lyricism uh, on Bob's part. You know, it it, it seemed uh, coming off of Saved and Shot of Love, I think that he was he was sort of losing his touch a, a little bit with some of the lyricism. You know, you had your you had your Every Grain of Sand, um, uh, and you had um, what else? I can't even think of anything. Um, I guess. Uh, pressing on, but there's like hardly even any like deep lyricism to that. You didn't you didn't have a whole lot of this um, this really tight um, twisting twirling kind of um, uh, writing from him on those records, and so this is really just kind of a you know you throw this record on. This is the first song you hear coming off of this Christian triptych, and and you're like shit, like whoa, this is he's back uh, in in uh, a part of him is back at least. It, it doesn't really. Uh, it doesn't really sound like uh, a whole lot that uh, that you might have heard from Bob up until this point. Maybe that's something that, that we also want to chat about a little bit. Well, is the Sonics, yeah, of, the, uh, of Joker Man. The way that it begins is um, th- sort of the signature sound of Infidels uh, is right. those those toms uh, on. There's there's some reverby, tight reverby uh, tom hits. Um, right. Uh, almost reggae esque. Uh, the instrumentation and the the rhythm section on this song. Uh, it's so streamlined and um, and tight, but uh, also just in a in a way that's like really inviting. Um, I I think that it's got everything I want in a, in a Bob Dylan song. Uh. Which is to say, there are songs where a song like uh, Caribbean Wind, for example, um, that's a song that has a lot of that has a storyline, and and then there's all these like interesting little digressions and images that that pop in. But this is just the, as I said a minute ago, the pure la pura vida. It's just the this is the good distilled the the high alcohol spirit of of Dylan lyricism where it's just uh pump it straight into my veins nothing but cool images after cool <laughs> images um in the first few lyrics you've got uh standing on the water casting your bread while the eyes of the idol with the iron head are glowing Distant ships sailing into the mist. You were born with a snake in both of your fists while a hurricane was blowing. What? What am I? How many songs have that many like cool, cool images uh, in the first three seconds? Not many. Um, I didn't know that it was casting your bread for a really long time. I thought it was casting yeah, your me breath. Yeah, that's also what I thought, which doesn't really make any more sense, but also doesn't make any less well, sense. Well, casting your bread, time. you're feeding ducks. <laughs> right, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Just like uh, another great work of art, The Sopranos. Uh, this mm. begins with uh, <laughs> feeding, feeding yeah, ducks. Feeding ducks, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the lyrics, like, you know, we could we could probably just pick out any of the, any of the stanzas um, and... Um, and uh, just uh, recite them, and they would sound uh, they would sound amazing. Um, 
I, I don't I don't remember when I first heard the song either. I, I definitely came to it later, um, or I mean later relatively in, in that, you know, when I first got into Bob, I was, you know, I was into 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 the classics, um, based on just reputation and cursedaltmusic.com. Um, and then, you know, once I had familiarized myself with all of that, then I started spreading outward and I, I'd, I'd heard of Joker Man as being this like, you know, amazing tune, um, that, uh, that, you know, came later in his career and, and was really kind of a, an unexpected masterpiece at a time when he was going up and down a little bit. Uh, and, and the first couple times I heard it, I, I, I don't think I really got it. Um, like I, the, the production really kind of threw me for a loop and, and I was just like, you know, what the, what the fuck is this? Um, but, uh, but since then, you know, it, it has really, it has really grown on me. Um, and, uh, and every time I spin it, it just sounds, it sounds better and better. And now we're, we're to the point, I think where like, you know, when I, when I first heard the song, I, I thought like, oh, this could be a really good song if only it weren't for this fucking, you know, bullshit 1983 kind of production sound. And now I think like it absolutely has to sound like this. Like that is, that's what, that's part of what makes it so great is this, is this, is this vibe that he's got going. Yeah. It's so, uh, tranquil in a way, um, compared to and that Knopfler, that Knopfler yeah, well, guitar. It's a, it's that, a Knopfler pr- production and Knopfler is yep. playing guitar on it. Um, there are other great versions of the song. Of course, the one that we open our show with is mm-hmm. the performance from uh, the Letterman show in 1984, where yes. he was backed by the Plugs, who were a uh, post-punk type uh, band from uh, yeah, East, I think Al- I, uh, East Los his- Angeles. Yeah, Hispanic post-punk That's right. band. Um, kind of off-the-wall uh, choice, but obviously we love that version too. Um, however... This is the definitive version of the song, um, as far as I'm concerned. There's something perfect about it. Um, like, you know, there's there's like new age uh, cranks on the internet who who like have countless YouTube videos about like this particular frequency is like the one that heals your soul and your chakras. <laughs> and um, I don't believe in any of that. I think it's not true except for this song, which I believe is uh, attuned to the perfect um, chakra healing frequency. <laughs> uh, and I never want it to end. <laughs> it's, it's a song I can't get sick of. Yeah. It's really, uh, you know, I, I, I was, I was thinking a little while ago, like if we, if you had to just, if we were doing some sort of gimmick episode where we were like, you know, how can we, how can we just sum up Bob's career in one song by each decade? You know, in 1960s, in the 1960s, you would do, uh, I would do like a Rolling Stone. Um, uh, you might, you might vary. Um, maybe, I would do um, Apple Suckling Tree. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, technically, that would be a 70s release because we didn't get that until. It's from the 60s, um, though. That's that's true. Uh, I'm just you know, being in the a, 70s, obnoxious. Sorry. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, in the 70s, you know, you would probably do Idiot Wind. Um, probably, yeah. Uh, or, or Tangled Up in Blue. Um, and then in the 80s, you know, if, there is, if there's one song, if we're going to condense this entire decade of Bob's career down to just one single moment and, you know, just represent it as, as best as we possibly can, it's without a doubt Jokerman. Like, this is, mm-hmm. this is the absolute height of his achievement, I think, from... Probably from Blonde on, excuse me, from Blood on the Tracks up until Time Out of Mind, maybe in '97. I don't want to say that so quickly because I think there's a lot that we have to parse. But um, well, I guess in the if we're talking the '80s, I, yeah, I don't think 
that anything tops Joker Man. Um, I mean, there's a reason that there's a reason this podcast has the name it does. Yeah. Um, at the risk of sounding redundant and boring about uh, talking about it, I just think that it's um, it's like a, a song that um, interestingly doesn't feature a narrator character talking about himself. It's a, a song that directs everything out to um, is that second tense. Second, second person. Second yeah. person. It's, it's, it's you. told to the you. And the um, or, so it puts you right in the middle of all of these wild scenarios. And we can't ignore the video, which um, is a remarkable uh, video. Um, <laughs> really? Uh, appearances by uh, such noted figures as uh, Adolf Hitler. Yeah, and the Joker uh, himself. <laughs> um, it, it's, a, it's a video that is... It's a, as far as I know, I mean, Bob Dylan really is the the pioneer of the lyric video music video. As far as mm. he's done it twice, he did it once with Subterranean Homesick Blues, yes, and yes. then he's done it again. By God, by Jove, he's done it again with Joker <laughs> Man, which uh, I did some uh, reading on the subject. <laughs> He didn't have much to do with the making of it, and he really didn't even like want to be in it. And he wanted to like, right. I guess. Uh, was really camera shy um, to the point where he was closing his eyes for like 99% of this shoot <laughs> where he was just sort of, you know, quietly lip syncing along to the song. And they're like, Bob, please open your eyes. Um, <laughs> and uh, he said, I'm trying. <laughs> um, he wanted there to be footage shot of him in Malibu on the beach, uh, like with a 16 millimeter camera. Or yeah, something that like that, fantastic. which would have been amazing uh, in its own right, I'm sure. But uh, the people who were making the video, which is uh, comprised mostly of shots of famous works of art, famous and ancient works of art, um, and contemporary pop culture references. You got uh, Reagan and the Joker and um, ancient uh, What's the difference? Sumerian idol. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um you got uh the scream by uh, Edvard Munch and uh so many other solid gold hits paired with the lyrics and then shots of Bob um in a white blazer and t-shirt and also like quintessential 1980s animation of the the uh the bird fly high by the light of the moon and like a sort of uh, face in the sky with like a star that turns it into its eye or something like that. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. it's the type of animation that you see in like um, heavy metal or in uh, like the intro part of creep show that like very specific 1980s animation style, sort of like Ralph Bakshi adjacent, uh, but it looks it looks really great, um, amazing video, and uh, I think it actually nails the the scope of the song, and it, and I think to me it really brings the song to a higher level, just because it uh, really understands the director of that of the video uh, really understood the the scope and scale of of the song being. Uh, nothing less than the whole of humanity from 
from the ancient days of prehistory to uh, the 1980s. It really is uh, an epic tableau. Uh, we've just we're, we're taking a look at it right now live. I've always wondered: um, do you do you think William Blake is in there? Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> there he is. He looks amazing. <laughs> his white, eyes are closed. Yeah, his, okay. his eyes are closed. I never noticed that. He's wearing a white t-shirt and like sort of an off-white cream blazer, and he has his eyes fully closed. <laughs> There's also pictures of younger Bob, which are very poignant in the context of the song, where you have right. uh, l- lyrics like um, shedding off one more layer of skin. And you see Bob through the years up to this point. Um, images of war, images of uh, the the Vietnam War, of World War II, uh, Images of Bob as images of Bob in, in a series of different hats and wearing many hats and holding a book that says Crystal Magic, the uh, the Turban Bob from the second half of the Rolling Thunder tour, and you can see that Bob has a tiny little wisp of a soul patch at this point. Yeah, right down there, boy. He's he's against a black background, singing with his eyes extremely closed. Um, he's the man. Yeah, there's the part where Hitler shows up, or we just got to Hitler, and then fade out the into bomb. the uh, an explode, uh, mushroom cloud, and then a Picasso. Picasso. Just, uh, what more could you ask for? This is the good stuff. I don't know who that is. Um, Hieronymus Bosch. Hieronymus Bosch, yeah. I, I've always wondered, um, do you... So, like you like you mentioned a moment ago, Joker Man is written in the second person, mm-hmm. addressed to the you. Do we do we think that Bob? Do we think that Bob conceived of him of himself as as the Joker Man? Is that is that who he's singing to here? I don't think that's an answerable question. No, no, I I don't know who the Joker Man is, but um, I think that he is probably uh, related to the Tambourine Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a second cousin or something. Yeah, like a, it just a sort of magical um, device, a, 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 a neo-pagan imaginary creature, uh, spirit of music and change, something like that. It uh, it's not it's not made clear. There's not a, a part where he goes, the Joker man is a very specific man. The jo- Joker <laughs> man, I, I'll tell you all about the Joker man. He's sort of a, uh, God, his eyes really are closed. The yeah, time. they're closed as hell, except for this <laughs> this very special moment when they open and he he does a little... He's looking a little pouty. Pout at the camera. Then we have the moon, the purple oh, here we go. There's sky. The night- There's the nightingale. Yeah, the nightingale flying by the moon. We got a, a Goya painting. Um, I, I, we could just do a whole episode on just this song. We got the Coney There's Island a, like, Coney Island guy. guy. Then we got a series of different Jokers, uh, sort of ancient and medieval depictions of jesters and things with some right. Goya thrown in. A picture of Ali. Muhammad Ali with arrows in him, uh, and then a, a picture of uh, 
Bobby Kennedy, JFK, and Martin Luther King uh, Jr. standing in a cemetery, followed immediately by the Joker. <laughs> the Joker. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I haven't watched this in a while. It's fantastic. Back out, zooms out from the Joker to uh, Ronald Reagan. I told you. What's, who, what's the difference? And then right back to Bob, blowing on, the, on his harp. With the harmonica, what what uh, the the that's a good uh, point. I forgot to mention that I I love the harmonica sound in this song and really on this whole record. Um, there was a little bit of that on uh, on Shot of Love, I think, where it's it's I, I guess I don't know is it like digitized or something or it's like fed through some sort of box or something. No idea. Um, but uh, yeah, whatever whatever they did in the studio to get that harmonica sound that uh, they achieve on this song and this record is. Uh, Great stuff. It's fantastic. And here it comes, I think, is when Bob is about to do that that beautiful little knowing glance at the at the camera. Toward the end of, of the video, he he starts to open his eyes a little bit. A little bit. Here and there. But uh, he's clearly really feeling it. And there there it is. There he is. That, that's yeah, for, that uh, beautiful for the listeners shot. at home. That's about uh that's about the five minute thirty second time. Yeah, scale. and then go f- take go take a look at that. Fades right into that cartoon moon once more. The moon zooms out. It turns into the eye of a spectral being over the horizon with the nightingale flying in circles and a beautiful nineteen eighties cartoon sunset fade to black. Just a absolute masterclass. Fantastic! I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a thumbs up here on on YouTube.com. Oh wow! There's one point four thousand people have given it the thumbs down. Unbelievable! Uh, there's got to be like an obligatory like comment that's like I guess one point four thousand people couldn't hear the Nightingale tune. <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying looking at some of the YouTube uh, comments on here. Uh, he is a master of the English language. <laughs> there is so much intellect and cleverness in his choice of words. I've never been a huge fan of his music, but the lyrics keep me listening. That's so wholesome. <laughs> uh, that that rocks, yeah. Here's one that Mark Knopfler did an amazing job on this album. Um, okay, we got some real Mark Mark heads in the comments. A lot comments. of Knopfler heads on the comments. Um, I like I like Daniel Bradford's comment here. Like the best of Dylan's songs. I think this is actually a good point. Like the best of Dylan's songs. The song is about what you want it to be about. Dylan makes mirrors and we see ourselves in them. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, do you have any favorite lyrics from, from Joker Man? Because I, I think there's one that really speaks to me, or one that I, every time I hear it, I, I, like, I couldn't imagine the song without it. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I have a favorite, an absolute favorite line i guess the one that that always uh sticks out in my mind is fools rush in where angels fear a tread both of their futures so full of dread you don't show one so there's uh, there's lyrics isn't... like that and then um there's lyrics that are very dark um you rise up and say goodbye to no one is how that one begins um what you mm. just said uh i mean where one ends the other begins but uh with with really dark and foreboding imagery and of course, the classic beginning of the song with the eyes of the idol with the iron head aglowing. Of um, course. You've got my favorite, uh, which is uh, uh, 
Resting in the fields far from the turbulent space, half asleep neath the stars with a small dog licking your face. Just such a pleasant image. <laughs> I love that in the middle of the song, you're you're half asleep beneath the stars with a small dog licking your face. Right. Yeah, this is right after the uh, Michelangelo indeed could have carved out your features. features. Oh, Joker Man, you know what he wants. It's one of my favorite Dylan vocal vocal takes as well. Just a really spirited vocal that I think ranks among the top. You're the top. You're Mahatma Gandhi. You know that song? Uh, I don't know that I do. Um, it's from, uh, I think it's from Anything Goes, the classic musical. Mm-hmm. Not much of a musical theater guy, unfortunately. I like the stuff before 1980. All right. Oh, no. Well, um, I mean, Joker Man, do we have... I feel like we've almost done a whole episode on Joker Man on its own. (laughs) Do we have more... (laughs) Do we have any any parting words before we get on to the entire rest of this... uh, entire rest of this record um listen to joker man uh that's my my main advice here um i guess i'd be remiss not to mention that um uh ezra koenig of uh, vampire weekend um has has been doing a good job i think of helping to make joker man um recognized Hmm. as a song um as a great song as 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 it should be um by covering it with his band the vampire weekends and um, they uh <laughs> they did a really uh, a crackerjack job um but of course nothing comes close to the original um so just have to give that quick shout out to the band the vampire weekends and they're <laughs> I'll have to uh, ch- check them out sometime. <laughs> to, to Vampire Weekend, a great band. Um, <laughs> and uh, w- what else? Uh, if you think that Bob Dylan didn't release a great song in the 1980s, you're wrong. Absolutely. This is fantastic song. Maybe his best of all time. Maybe. Maybe. Who's to say? I mean, I'm sorry, I'm eating eating bread and drinking wine. A sacramental <laughs> snack, which uh, I think really is befitting of uh, talking about such a, a holy of holies, really, yes. in, the, in the Bob Dylan musical catalog. Um, we are the ones who should <laughs> be, be saying whether or not it's the best of all time is actually, <laughs> we're exactly the people who should be doing that. Um I just want to say that there's I think there's a lot of people who claim to to be really big Bob Dylan fans. And um what they really mean is they they just like the early stuff and they they maybe feel some guilt and shame deep inside because they don't know if they really can stand behind any of the later stuff or, or any of the middle stuff, but they really still want to identify 
as Bob Dylan fans, because as, as you and I know, this is a huge pussy magnet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's true. Ladies love it when you talk about how great the song Joker man is. Or, um, uh, bussy magnet as the, as the case may be. Uh, in any case, you're going to get fucked if you, (laughs) I'll, I'll cut this part, but basically, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, you can hang your hat on, on, you know, if, on loving this song because it's easy to love and everybody should know it. Uh, you should know it, that this song is a monument, a monumental achievement in the oeuvre. And uh, if you like it, it's a great gateway into the the rest of Bob Dylan's uh, career and music, if only for the reason that after you go through a whole record of of Lenny Bruce and and shot of love type level material. And then you're smacked upside the head with, with a corker like this. You can't not pay attention. You don't know what's going to hit you next. You, you, you gotta keep one eye open when you sleep because Bob Dylan might release another, uh, masterpiece. Well said it run. Don't walk to your nearest record store. To pick up the Bob Dylan classic Joker Man. Uh, and uh, if it's possible, you know, to give a song a, a three-star uh, system ranking, this is a three-star song. Right, yeah. We are going to have to factor that into the ultimate uh, three-star rating for for Infidels. Well, that goes without saying, but unfortunately now we have to talk about the rest of the album, which has its ups and downs. <laughs> that is true. Uh, Joker Man, um, thank you. Is this the, yeah, oh, okay. I thought you were trying to end the episode. And no, I, I was, I was just was thanking, just... thanking the song Joker yeah, Man. Yeah, no, thank you to the song Joker Man, yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. That brings us to, uh, yeah, everything else on Infidels. Yeah. Um, which, uh, which begins with, uh, with the second song, Sweetheart Like You. That's right. Uh, one of the other great songs, I think, on this record. Um, although not as great. I mean, it's no Joker, man, but... Uh, Sweetheart Like You is, isn't trying to be a jo- uh, another Joker, man. It's right. it's a ballad. And uh, on its own terms, I personally think that this song ranks closely up there with uh, the great ballads on uh, Blood on the Tracks. Yeah, if you I want to use that as a, as a watermark. As um, a benchmark, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I can go quite that far on this one. Um, but I, I do think it's a, uh, it's another good, it's another good track. Uh, definitely. Well, consider that I gave, uh, Blood on the Tracks two out of three stars. I guess that, yeah, that's true. Definitely a plus in the, in the plus and minus column on, uh, on Infidels. Um, do you know what I like about this song, Ian? What do you like about it, Evan? What I like about Sweetheart Like You is that it really leans into a sense of character and relationship in a way that I find really compelling. Like when he says, 
what's a sweetheart like you doing in a dump like this? Mm-hmm. There's a, there's one time when he says it where the way he says dump like this is like so full of feeling. It's so pitying he and sad in a way. Um, what's a sweetheart like you doing in a dump like this? Yeah. It it's does like have you a, can you can picture him doing this fa- making the face of just like an yes. oh, honey why are you here I know it's very I, uh, it it's really affecting I think it it actually works really well I know I know the kind of face you're uh, yeah the, face you're talking oh, about there honey no. some people some people I believe uh, uh, accused accused Bob of doing sexism on this song really yeah uh, particularly this. Um, where is it? Uh, yeah, third stanza. You know, a woman oh. like you should be at home. That's where you belong. Right. Watching out for someone who loves you true, who would never do you wrong. Who's accusing him of sexism here? That's uh, that's just what I've read on unnamed websites no. on uh, on the internet. Which oh. uh, that's I, absurd. I think. I mean, first of all, he sa- he says a woman like you. So if you want to even be like a tiny bit charitable and even have an ounce of good faith, you're going to say that, okay, he's talking about a specific character, a specific mm-hmm. woman, a woman like you. Uh, he's not talking about, he doesn't say, you know, all women should be at home. <laughs> Did you know that only women should only be in the kitchen? Uh, and then, and then the line after that, I think is, really sweet and uh, kind of heartbreakingly so where he says you should be with someone who doesn't know how to do you wrong or right this is like a a very heartfelt um aching state sentiment where i i think that that's really where this song succeeds is i think it's very believable that the 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 narrator in the song is like uh, a good man who's who's done some bad things and has found himself in in a bad place, and uh, he's he's sort of dredging up his inner uh, chivalry to to approach this woman and say that you should escape while you still can. You got to get out of here. This right. isn't the end. You shouldn't be at the end of the line like all these people and like me. It's a uh, romantic. Yeah, I think it's a good sort of like you know joker man is is your is is the first song on the record and that's your your big you know impressive um virtuosic lyric performance that bob offers and then and then you go into your first kind of yeah like you said ballad uh simple simple love song kind of thing and this is you know this this is an effective um you know effective uh, follow-up there it's not can't stand up to the heights i think that are established right with the first track on the record but if we Think of something like um, like Street Legal again, uh, where we go from changing of the guards into uh, New Pony. I would say, I would say this this is somewhat more successful than um, than than that song was. Um, there's a nice. Uh, I, I really love the guitar on this too. Um, that little do 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 do. It's uh, yeah. it's a great it's a great uh, great little touch. This. Um, I, I think I've read. Uh, you might have better insight into this because you've got your your uh, your studio recording Bible over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, uh, apparently, uh, Knopfler, you know, who was brought in to produce after his guitar work on um, on Slow Train, 
uh, he and Bob kind of worked together on on like mixing and stuff after the record was recorded, and then Knopfler like had to go on tour with Dire Straits or something, or he was he was unavailable for some period of time, and and during that period of time, Bob worked with just some engineer or something to to basically just you know wrap the record up uh, relatively quickly mm-hmm. in a in sort of a shoddy fashion. Um, and, and Knopfler, I, I, I read some quote that said something like, you know, the, the record sounds like half demos or something. Um, and, and it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't come across quite as strong as, uh, as it could have or, or should have had he and Bob had the opportunity to really kind of, you know, um, uh, fuss over it the way that they wanted to and, and had planned to. Um, and I think this song actually, this, this and Joker Man, obviously, I think, I think are definitely two of the, two of the, the songs that sound complete and sound like they're good to go and ready. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think I think after this we start to get into a little bit more of the you know rough kind of demo-y kind of sounding stuff, um, or or more demo-y sounding kind of stuff. Uh, I, I guess it's all complete to an extent. But um, this 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 song just sonically definitely sounds sounds great. Um, still in that same kind of Joker yeah. Man template. Um, uh, you know, they feel it's very spacious sounding, right? Like um, it, it's like a three dimensional kind of sound, and, and that very clean, personally, uh, I, glassy I sound. It, I wish it had a a little less reverb all over. I wish it was a little bit more confident in its in being a little more uh, dry. Right, but that's that's my own sensibility uh, creeping in. Um, you know, like a, a, a tusk. More of a tusk type sound, um, whereas the the criticism you could make of the production on this is that it is a little f- glossy um, in a way that dates it pretty heavily. But um, you know, you take that with uh, it, it's part of the medicine. If you want to like anything about this record, you got to just ante up and swallow that uh, as part of it. Um, but so far, um, we're we're doing great. Uh, you know, these two first two tracks, I think they're really working for me. And, and now is, I think, a good time to discuss um, an interesting wrinkle in the Infidel's story, which is that this record has a uh, had a different original track listing, um, where the first track was always Joker Man, um, but on the original sequencing uh, of the record, it was as follows. Joker Man, License to Kill, mm-hmm. Man of Peace, then Neighborhood Bully, End of Side One, then Don't Fall Apart on Me Tonight, then Blind Willie McTell, a song which didn't make it on the record officially, uh, but was released later in the bootleg series, then Sweetheart Like You, and then I and I, and then closing with another song that didn't make it onto the final cut, uh, Foot of Pride, a song mm-hmm. covered by Lou Reed, of all people. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I digress, uh, because for our purposes, we'll talk about those two tracks that uh, didn't make the cut when we discussed the first bootleg series, right? Uh, which was released in uh, 91, was it? Yeah, 91. And uh, so for now... Uh, Unfortunately, uh, we have to talk about the actual uh, third track of Infidels. 
Yes, that would be uh, that would be neighborhood bully. <laughs> yeah, uh, neighborhood bully. Why do we have a problem with this song, Ian? Well, um, I think uh, uh, first before we even get into the you know sort of the subject matter, the the topicality here, it's just not it's not a just, it, I, it, I don't like listening to the song. Uh, just if, if, if <laughs> I don't like listening, <laughs> if we if we subtracted all the lyrics, uh, you know, uh, and 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 it was just saying gobbledygook words, you know, place place filler. It's um, it's uh, you know, it's it's uh, it, it doesn't really do it for me. The, and this is where I think the the that kind of demo sound starts to come come across, at least in the versions that I'm listening to. Um, which are you know digital, or I, I've I, this is one of the the ones I've got you know an actual record of. Um, Neighborhood Bully sounds really flat um, compared to uh, Joker Man and um, um, and uh, Sweetheart Like You. It like it's it, like everything has just been compressed down to one like level of equilibrium somehow, and and there's no sort of distance or space between the lyric or between the percussion or the guitars or anything. Um, it, it just sounds, it, it sounds, yeah, half, half complete really. Um, but then, uh, <laughs> beyond that, uh, this is also, uh, this is also an example of Bob, uh, being topical and, uh, and doing politics at this moment in time. And, and if, uh, you know, if we, if we think back to some of the other songs that Bob has written, um, uh, and, and released in this particular period of time, you know, it's not exactly, um, they're not exactly hurricane, uh, you know, in, in terms of its trenchant social analysis. This is, this is, this is more of your no time to think kind of Bob who's who's attempting to make a big broad statement, but, but maybe coming up a little short and the subject matter. It's, it's full on a pro Israel propaganda song. The subject matter is is uh, is part of what makes it so challenging. It's basically uh, a a Zionist anthem. Yeah, I say this as a, a an American diaspora Jew that this song is uh, trash. It's uh, it's <laughs> it's something that you would. Uh, it's basically like a, a rockin' version of what your uncle is saying at the dinner table at Shabbos and yes. you just want to afterwards on the car ride home with your family you're like what was he fucking talking about like what the how, fuck was that why didn't any of you say anything <laughs> it's, it's it sounds like a song that uh that someone would have been paid like this sounds like a birthright song basically yeah exactly uh and, and the, <laughs> this is where the politics the geopolitics of this record come in yes, where there's yes. certain lyrics in this where you think well maybe I want maybe he's talking about the plight of the black man in America. Maybe he's mm-hmm. talking about African Americans or immigrants and their struggle in a, a, a bigoted and um, violent and hostile landscape culturally. But then there's lines like, uh, "The bombs were meant for him, and he was supposed to be sad." Like so, lyrics about bombs and like having obsolete weapons and. Clearly, it's a joke about the a neighborhood being the Middle East and, you know, Israel being famously like the size of New Jersey compared to the surrounding nations who all uh, justifiably uh, don't want Israel to be there because they just did uh, violence to establish themselves. 
you know, claiming some sort of ancient lineage. Um, again, I'm Jewish. Uh, uh, my name's Evan. He's allowed, he's allowed to say this. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, uh, you know, all that bunk about like, well, we found this ancient artifact or that, so we get to justify the uh, existence of Israel based on um, some heritage. My point of view is that uh, the Jewish faith is, uh, you know, one of constantly being on the run, never having a home. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's okay not to have a nation state that you pledge your allegiance to. And uh, some people uh, who are conservatives uh, think that it's okay to um, think that it's 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 actually the, the best thing to do is to tether the Jewish identity to that of a nation state identity, which uh, I, I, you know, without getting too far into it, I, I politically, I find uh, repugnant, but um, Bob Dylan at this point felt the need to do this song, which uh, I guess he had visited Israel uh, around this time. The, the single art for Joker man uh, actually features at least one version of the single art has him crouched on the ground. Um, and in Jerusalem, right? In Jerusalem, yeah. Which is cool, I mean, for that song. Jerusalem, objectively a cool place. Famously cool. The problem is you shouldn't kick people out of their homes to be able to say that it's only cool for, for you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well and, said. Uh, this song doesn't... Uh, uh, does not do what what another song on this record there's there's a so, such contradiction on this record because uh the next two songs after neighborhood bully are songs that i think um go right up against the the, the narrative that neighborhood bully poses very neighborhood bully poses very sarcastically and obnoxiously i think um yeah yeah the 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 song has, you know, in the same way I think that, that some of the earlier Christian songs had this sort of vindictive, holier-than-thou spirit where Bob is being very sort of mean and um, and uh, and casting aspersions on, on listeners uh, for their, their lack of piety. Um, I, I think he's got the same kind of approach here, but instead of, you know, bragging about how he is a devout Christian and everyone else is a sinner who's going to hell— this is somewhat oddly, I think, coming off of his evangelical period, uh, sort of um, uh, uh, talking down on on all of those who uh, who aren't just uh, you know lockstep Zionists, basically, mm. um, and uh, and it's just not a you know, it's not a very charming kind of look, I got to say. And, and some of these lyrics, um, you know, you mentioned the bomb factory one. Right. Um, what else? What else do we have here? Uh, he got. He got no allies to really speak of. What he gets, he must pay for. He don't get it out of love. He buys obsolete weapons, and he won't be denied. But no one sends flesh and blood to fight by his side. He's the neighborhood bully. I mean, look, I think that the, <laughs> I, I really do believe in, in this case that Bob Dylan's heart was in the right place. I just think it's deeply misguided. Um, I If I want to have a good faith reading of this song, it's that it's that he thought that he was siding with an underdog who was up against the odds 
and we all want to side with the underdog. I think it's a it's a, a noble uh, a commonality between many peoples that we we do feel compassion and and want to root for this uh, this power that seems outnumbered. Um, the fact is that in this day and age, especially, uh, that's not Israel <laughs> who, who gets billions and billions from the United States, um, yes. a famously compassionate country, uh, for right. doing exactly what the United States would do. And, uh, coming from the conservative Jewish tradition, um, where, which was what I was raised in, um, I, I grew to realize that that was, um, you know, I, we were just experienced the high holy days, for example, uh, a time when you're supposed to look back on your sins and atone. And I think it was a few years ago when I went to the temple where I, I have to go, you know, in, in Los Angeles with where my grandparents go and was uh, sitting there while a, a rabbi standing in between an American and an Israeli flag said straight up that anti-Zionism is the same thing as anti-Semitism. And right. I, and I sat there and I, I, uh, said to myself, uh, that's, uh, no. <laughs> and, uh, I think the song is, uh, canceled. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not the most trenchant political analysis I think that anyone has ever written. Uh, there's but also, I'll give Bob Dylan the benefit of the doubt that he really thought he was on the right side. And that just speaks to the all over the place political uh, life that Bob Dylan has, and uh, especially appears on this album. Uh, yeah, maybe I, I, that that is the charitable reading. It's charitable, uh, I, yeah. I I do have to say, there's there he he shades a little into uh, you know the towards the direction of Islamophobia by the time we get to the. Uh, by the time we get to the end of the song, unfortunately, um, he took, uh, he took, he being a neighborhood bully, uh, he took the crumbs of the world and he turned it into wealth, took sickness and disease exactly, and he turned it into health. Exactly the shit you hear from, <laughs> from conservative, uh, Jews who, who are Jews who voted for Trump. In other words, you know, they say we made a desert, we made a desert into a, into a place where they make electric cars <laughs> and you're supposed to be like whoa uh, never mind it's actually okay to bulldoze someone's house <laughs> yeah uh yeah that that's that's a pretty pretty just straightforward uh Likud thinking uh and then uh and then maybe maybe worst worst look of all uh, of bobs um they wait for this bully like a dog waits to feed um they being you know the the folks uh, surrounding. <laughs> Isn't that the, that's the classic? Uh, that's another talking point. You're when it comes to like uh, Middle Eastern finger pointing. It's always one side saying the other side called the other side a dog. A dog. <laughs> <laughs> they are like dogs. Yeah, it's it's either Israelis saying like it in the colors like a dog, <laughs> and so that's this is why I send. Um, Immortal into the house. <laughs> this is why I I, I obliterate child the, the child who threw the rock at uh, my 
tank. The fence, yeah. You've got a pretty good uh, pretty good Israeli accent down there. It's so. not that different from a Borat accent. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's pretty it's pretty. The, pretty the key the to, the, to the Israeli accent is... Uh, uh, you do the... Uh, the throw a rock into my... Uh, onto my lawn, and so I take... Uh, the bomb I blow up their um, right, their family. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta make it sound like you have like a super ball stuck in the back of your throat or something. Yeah, or a um, you know virulent hatred of of Arabs. <laughs> of, yeah, of Palestinian dogs. Yeah. Um. So uh, wonder how much so, yeah. of this will cut. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's okay. Um, this is, uh, the Jokerman stands with the, the people of Palestine. Yeah. hundred percent. I think we're okay to say that. But also um, any Israeli who, you know, was just born there and like, doesn't want to be involved. You know, you're, I, I feel like there's a lot of Israeli music fans, a lot of Israeli, like Bob Dylan fans. If you are one of those people, then, um, and, uh, get the fuck with it. You know, don't, don't <laughs> join the army if you can help it. Yeah. Uh, ditch the IDF. So, um, so yeah, so, so we've gone, you know, we're, we're headed down now, um, from the heights of Joker Man to, uh, to a pretty good song in, uh, Sweetheart Like You and, and then to the just absolute pits with, uh, yeah, with Neighborhood Bully. Just big smack in the face, Neighborhood Bully. But then the next song is actually one I really love. Yeah. Yeah. Do you not like it that much? I think it's, I think it's good. It's fine. It's good. It's fine in a way that I, maybe it's just because it's like contrasted so uh, starkly with the last song, Neighborhood Bully. But um, I think right. License to Kill is a really touching song and um, one that I think feels especially relevant and um, comes from a place of, a, you know, it it makes me look at something like Neighborhood Bully with a, a little bit more of a, a softer eye and that I think Bob's heart is in the right place. Um, and because this song really does feel like, um, it comes from a place of genuine compassion, um, Mm. for, for the world as a whole. And, uh, that's, that song is licensed to kill. And, um, it's, it's a sort of interesting song because it features a, a woman, as as a sort of central character and i kind of read it as like the idea of women in general that like this woman <laughs> the, on his the idea of women yeah <laughs> the, the woman on his block who who says who's going to take away his license to kill man's mm. license to kill the song oh, the song begins with the the line man thinks because he rules the earth, he can do with it as he please, and if things don't change soon, he will, which is very ominous and rings extremely true as we continue to um, completely decimate the beautiful planet Earth, famously a female, the planet. Right. And uh, then we are introduced to this Gaia. character, Gaia, yeah. Then there's this woman on his block who just sits there and says, who's going to take away his license to kill. I find it very poetic and, and uh, touching that it, this song is all about how there's a woman who doesn't have any influence on how things are going to go. 
just sits there and wonders, when is it all going to stop? When is this uh, violence against nature going to cease? And right. um, so I I think that uh, you really have to bend over backwards a couple of times to make this into a, to, to decide it's sexist. <laughs> yeah, this one, I don't think, I, I, I would hope that people aren't claiming that... Um, that that's the case. Well, the thing is, people these days don't really listen to uh, this album, probably, young right. people. But, right. uh, you know, just give them a chance, Ian, and they'll figure out a way to to, to make Bob out to be a villain with this beautiful and heartfelt song. Please, uh, by all means, cancel him for, uh, cancel him for uh, Neighborhood the, Zionist, the Zionist propaganda, not the... Um, not the metaphorical uh, sort of um, eco uh, um, uh, whatever uh, lyric that is going on here. The Greta Thunberg um, uh, th- that he's channeling. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, this this is a whiplash moment where you have a, a song which espouses basically, which which would have you side with the powers of, military and authoritarianism basically uh and then immediately you're faced with a song that is as uh opposite that as you could possibly imagine um if we were to make a uh political alignment grid type chart yes uh, this record would just have a dot in every square Yes, yeah, this song would be bottom left, uh, which would be uh, left libertarian, and then uh, a neighborhood bully would be top right, which would be, um, you know, conservative uh, authoritarian. Yeah. Um, I think Joker, no. Joker, know, Man Joker, is, Man be? Joker Man is actually right in the, the middle. Right in the center? Yeah. I think it's in the spiritual center. of. It's right. in the pineal gland of that chart. <laughs> it's just, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's in, yeah, it's in like the third dimension of the chart that you can't actually see because <laughs> the chart's the only in dimension, two dimensions. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I, 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 I see what you mean with this song. I, I haven't, I guess I haven't really thought about this, uh, you know, the lyric, uh, for this, this track, um, in any great detail, certainly not to the extent, um, that I have for the previous three, but I, I do see this and, and I think this sort of anticipates the direction that he'll go in, um, uh, a couple tracks from now on, on the second side. Um, with uh, with another song there that we'll you know get the chance to talk about here in a little while, um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I do think that there is like he, he it, it's not all bad takes from Bob on this record, um, despite you know despite uh, the, the you know the the one that we just talked about, mm-hmm. um, I you know he he is like becoming more interested and more invested in you know it's it's not it's certainly not the you know, just high-powered uh, machine gun lyricism of something like um, Gates of Eden or Masters of War um, uh, at this point. But he, he is, he is like, operating more in that direction uh, than, he, than he had been, at least. Um, and so I, I do think that uh, License to Kill actually, you know, kind of um, has, something, has something there, and it's not just complete dog shit and, you know, dumb as hell nonsense. Um, although I do... the The... I, for, I forgot about this uh, until I'm just looking at the lyrics again. Um, the end of that first stanza, um, oh, man has invented his doom. First step was touching yeah. the moon. So that's one people, of my favorite lines. 
people are uh, people have raised uh, interesting interesting points about this record and really? this song in particular about being anti space exploration. Well, I'm I'm Which... coming out right now as absolutely anti space exploration. What 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 are your uh, what are your hackles with space? It's very simple, Ian. I think that the way that thing we have things fucked up on this planet means that we better fucking not touch a single other planet ever until we have things figured out here. Right. I guess that's 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 fair. That's a good point. And and what he goes on to say in the rest of this song definitely lines up with that kind of um uh with that kind of idea. Interestingly, apparently, uh according to an unnamed source on the internet that uh that I'm I'm taking a look at right now a skeptical opinion <laughs> Anthony <toward>, Fantano. <laughs> yes, yeah, the needle drop uh, on on youtube.com. A skeptical opinion toward the American space program was shared among evangelicals of Dylan's generation. Good. Um I think it was also shared uh from what I understand, you know, Buddhists don't uh really have any truck with the the space program for similar reasons. I mean, when I see someone like Jeff Bezos or uh, or Elon Musk w- want to explore space and con- colonize Mars, right. I just think of uh, I just think I read that as okay. So you gave up on this planet? Right. You just fully with all of your billions of dollars, you've just decided you gave up on this. Uh, I find it absolutely morally rotten reprehensible yeah yeah i uh hate those fucking ghouls uh with all my heart um so first step is touching the moon when when bob dylan says that i i'm actually totally all on board we should never have gone to the moon it was just a big swinging dick move if we did go to the moon you know some people dispute if we even did um say we did you know it's dumb that we did it yeah uh, definitely done out of a sense of nationalism and uh, to cut checks to defense industry contractors uh, more so than any valid scientific Yeah, reason, uh, famously JFK uh, said, we don't go to the moon because it's easy. We go to the moon because it's hard. <laughs> um, yeah. In other words, we're just trying to seem cool. we go to the moon we don't go to the moon because it's easy we go to the moon because it's very cool (laughs) you've got uh you've got some good uh we don't go we we will go to the moon in this decade (laughs) anyway he was shot in the head yeah by the cia i don't think it had to do with the moon but perhaps you know what they say about a full moon what do they say? I don't know. They say that it makes you want to kill the president or stuff like that. Right. Um, License to Kill, uh, yeah, it's a good song. It's fine. Um, you know, it's not, not one of my favorites, but I do I do think it's interesting uh, coming after uh, Neighborhood Bully because it does, it does just illustrate that Bob does still have the capacity for um, interesting and, and um, legitimate uh, sort of uh, geopolitical criticism despite... Uh, despite his his missteps elsewhere. 
Oh, speaking of interesting, I think the next song is also very interesting. I think that it is, but I think that we will have to wait until episode. Oh, have, have we? That's the end of side one. That's the end of side one. Side A, I mean. Side A. Well, uh, thank you for joining us on today's episode of Joker Men, and uh, we'll have the rest of this uh, very political album to you shortly um, in the next episode covering side B. Joker Man. Joker Man.